What is up, everyone? This is Alex Lieberman, co-founder and executive chairman of Morning Brew. Welcome back to Founders Journal, my personal audio diary, where I give you, the business builder, the tools you need to think better in order to build better, whether that's building a business, a team, or a new product. Today, we have another guest journal, and I am so excited to pass the mic to Darren Ravel. Let's dig into it. Hi, my name is Darren Ravel. I'm with the Action Network, sports betting media firm, worked 12 years for ESPN, six years for CNBC, cover the business of sports, cover now all types of gambling, which now counts as crypto and memorabilia and everything involved with the high stakes that we've pushed ourselves in in the post-COVID or current COVID era, and also just cover things that I like and try to make business reporting out of them so I could cover them for life, like food. So so I feel like my life has been defined by figuring out the rules of life earlier than other people have. It's not one particular story, but you know, it started when I realized at eight years old that I was not going to become a major league baseball player. And I feel like I learned reality before all my other friends. So then I needed to make a pivot. And I needed to become a sports journalist as fast as possible. So I started on my dot matrix printer and my Apple IIe writing a magazine, which I sold for a dollar when I was 10, Baseball Mania magazine. You know, realized that I love sports. I had to be in it. And I was just going to pivot somewhere else. And then through watching my dad, who was the master of the niche, I learned how important it is to have a niche. So my dad had a degree in biophysics and biochemistry, interned with a Nobel Prize winning physicist, and also had marketing savvy and noticed that the scientists don't talk to the marketers in all these drug companies. So if he could have a marketing background and a science background, he could be the go-between. And basically, every medical company had to hire his consulting firm because the scientists all wanted to be good with the data and the marketing people wanted to go off to the races and market the damn thing. They just didn't speak the same language. So my dad was a translator. And so learning that, I figured out that I had to not only say I wanted to go into sports, but that I wanted to have a niche within sports, which ultimately led to me being a sports business reporter. So you've been creating content around the business of sports for decades now. Why did sports business make sense for you? When I was in college, I started enjoying reading the green pages as much as the red. So USA Today, the B section was the green money section. And, you know, I think most people my age would just skip to the sports section. And I found myself getting caught up on the business side before I got to the sports page. And I thought it was just fascinating. And there was enough business there. I started to trace, you know, like the idea that in 1992 or 93, sports centers started to announce the actual salaries of the people when they were signed. And that wasn't important before. I did think it would become big in terms of like, you know, if you don't know your owner's capacity to spend, if you don't know about the salary cap, eventually you're going to sound like the stupid guy on the radio. And everyone is looking for credibility in everything they talk about. They don't want to be the buffoon. And so if you need to be credible, even amongst your small group of friends, you need to know. You need to know about the business of sports and everything surrounding it. 
So if I could be the number one guy in the world to talk about that, I felt that that made a lot of sense. Um, now, a lot of it was also what was driving my passions. I was always interested in memorabilia, and I was always interested in cards. I think part of me is driven to creating things that are different, you know, coming up with a check collection or t the tickets, which have now been it is a passion of mine, and now it's so gratifying to see that tickets have become a, a legit collectible, although I can't win shit anymore. And by the way, I'm not selling anything either, so I didn't benefit other than other than to share my passion with the world. I love doubters. Part of the reason why I started my food and beverage vehicle, Tastemaker Capital, is to try to go in early in things, um, just see trends, see you know roasted chickpeas or see non-alcoholic beer. I love the people who said, non-alcoholic beer. What a stupid idea. It's actually as natural as you could imagine. So anyway, I, I, I enjoy people dismissing me and I enjoy marching to my own drummer and I'm very confident in what I do and all, and all my moves. So if you've demonstrated one thing, it is that you've been exceptional at carving a niche and you've had true joy in being a contrarian while carving that niche. What is the process you would go through if you were a builder thinking about what niche to build in? So I think to build a niche, you have to have it be small enough when you start and have the ability for it to be big enough if you do it well. And I think that's what I've done with sports business. I think when people go into niches, they don't realize how much of an education sometimes that niche becomes. And people don't realize the burden of how much time is education. With me, it actually was a natural idea. So when I went to ESPN, I was at Northwestern, they interviewed me. I said, you need to have a, you know, you're the worldwide leader in sports. You need to have a worldwide leader in sports business. And the initial question was, well, why? And I'm like, well, because you do do sports business, you just have wire copy on the front page. And I just don't understand how that's acceptable for a, a, a media outlet like you. Within three or four sentences, my niche could be justified. If you can't justify your niche within three or four sentences, connect, connect, connect from small to large, it's probably a bad niche right? Like Under Armour, guys are wearing cotton. People are sweating. Cotton isn't efficient. There are a lot of people that are sweating, right? Like, that. okay, like we got it. So I think people need to do exercises before they start. I think people start in niches and they're so surrounded by family members and yes people. Get yourself some people who are real trustworthy people. That's the key too. My mom said, Darren, that's a sports business is a little weird, but like she told me, she's, she's like, I think you should go into regular sports journalism. Like, you need people to tell you what the truth is. So what I think is so impressive about what you've done is you not only carved out a, a huge niche in sports business that has evolved from super niche to mass market, but you've realized that you can't just create content or build in a niche and then rest on your laurels. Things are constantly evolving. What's been your approach to disrupting yourself before other people do? 
So obviously I find out what's successful. I'd say I'm one of the most statistically driven journalists. I see what works and I do it over and over again. It was more important for me because I didn't have a, a beat per se other than sports business, which is extremely large. For me, it was important to have things that resonate. So I would pick and choose jersey sales. Okay, that's people voting with their wallet. I need to break every single jersey sale rankings, right? Every time, right? And so I need to be that guy. I need to be the guy that goes to stadiums when it comes out. And as owners realize that the dirty water dog, hot dog that, you know, they make the 400% margin is not necessarily the greatest because they could have a $20 hot dog that they make a 200% margin and it actually draws people to buy tickets. I have to cover that. I just think a lot of it is just based on the understanding that we live in a dialogue now, not a monologue. And if you understand that the the people who you're speaking to have a voice too, and you look at that through being able to see the statistics of what is a success of a good tweet or a good story. And the way this translates to, to people who are listening to this show is you cannot just live in your cocoon. You have to know what people are saying about you and you have to know what they like and you have to know what they dislike. And when you find out what they dislike, don't automatically change because of it. The worst thing is for people not to be passionate about you and your product. If they love it or they hate it, it's great. If they don't love it and they don't hate it, you're dead. I freaking love Darren. He has truly embraced focusing on a specific niche in the world of sports business. He shared the importance of being surrounded by people who tell the truth, as well as the importance of being able to explain your niche in three or four sentences max. I hope you enjoyed today's guest journal, and I wanna know from you, what are your thoughts on carving a niche, and how do you think you build a big business, even when you focus on a very specific niche audience? Shoot me an email at alex at morningbrew.com. And as always, thanks so much for listening to Founders Journal, and I'll catch you next episode.